right. Welcome back, everybody. Here we are once again at long last, Dom, back today to talk about a new show, relatively new show. It came out a couple of weeks or so ago at this point. It made quite a stir upon dropping. Dom, we're here today to talk out last. How are you doing? I'm doing good, and I'm excited to be in here talking about this because this is one of the more controversial uh, new reality shows in recent memory for reasons that may or may not be exaggerated. I suppose that's going to be the the meat of the discussion here. But yeah, we haven't been uh, talking much uh, Survivor 44 recently, but this show is giving uh, early uh, Survivor Borneo vibes or like Expedition Robertson vibes uh, for some people, even if a little more cover than that. Absolutely. Yeah, it very much is a show that took me back to the very early days of reality TV Back when shows like Survivor, not to uh, cast any unnecessary shade here, we're focused a lot more on the kind of, like, genuine interpersonal drama. Uh, and I'm sure we'll get a lot more into that as we get into the just discuss- discussion at large. I will quickly flag up that I, I would imagine it's the case that most people who are going to watch Outlast have already heard about it and either watched it read about it or decided they're just not interested at all uh so i think pretty close to the top here we can just issue the official spoiler alert we are going to be getting into the details of outlast i mean to give a quick synopsis in case somehow anyone hearing our voices right now hasn't heard about it uh the the basic premise of the show is 16 strangers who are all to some degree or another big kind of like wilderness people signed up to be on this show. They right away split themselves into four teams of four. And then over the course of the game, only one team is going to be remaining there at the end. People can quit whenever they want. They can theoretically change teams or at least attempt to change teams whenever they want. And there are pretty much no rules beyond that as we will indeed go on to see. Uh, So I think with that, let's give anyone who may possibly exist uh, a a minute here to turn this podcast off if they don't want to be spoiled. But I think we're now safely in the territory of being able to talk about what we saw go down here in this first season. And Dom, I think it would be foolish on our end to kind of bury the lead into what made this such a talked about. And as you said correctly, very controversial show. Uh, So I went into it, I think, expecting more or less what it sounds like the producers were expecting, which is for most of the drama to more or less revolve around, first and foremost, the actual like wilderness survival element and who's going to struggle, who's going to thrive, things of that nature, pardon the pun. Uh, And then number two, that caveat that people can like switch teams and abandon their own squad for greener pastures if the spirit moves them. And what we ended up getting here was something that it seems like took pretty much everyone, again, including the producers, including the contestants, including the audience, completely by surprise. Uh, And Dom, let's dive in, I think, straight away on the alpha team of it all, and specifically of the alpha team, Jill, Amber, and Justin. I've already forgotten, unfortunately, the fourth member of the original alpha (laughs) team's name here, but uh, for if any, in case anyone is deciding to just listen to us talk about it and somehow doesn't know what happened here. These three were all on a team together and decided that instead of, you know, doing their best and waiting for other people to quit and just hoping to be the last ones left, 
they were going to take fate into their own hands. And at a certain point, I think relatively early on, although I don't know the exact day, they decided that they were going to go on this mission to steal the sleeping bags from one of the other teams, essentially leaving that team with the choice of either freezing to death or just quitting and going home. And that decision, it seems like, sets off this snowball effect for the remainder of the season, or the vast majority of the remainder of the season, where suddenly this, like, on-paper kind of survival challenge goes totally haywire becomes a lot more about sabotaging the other people around you it is just utter carnage up until very near the end of the game almost entirely at the hands of these three or like as a reaction to something that one of the three of them did so dom what did you know about outlast when you began your watch of it and what was your takeaway upon actually seeing what played out as far as all this goes well, I'll set that up by asking you something, first of all, because I have seen a shockingly large number of people say that what they expected and maybe even hopeful from the show was alone, but in teams, which might seem like a contradiction in terms, but I I, I guess we can move past that for the second. <laughs> There's but actually at, a season of alone where they're in teams. Just <laughs> well, sure, okay. <laughs> but as our official uh, alone correspondent and uh, propagandist, was that what you were expecting and, and how much of that diverged from what you actually got here so i will say yes it is approximately what i was expecting and with that in mind i was actually a little bearish on how this might end up going because as wait is a uh, is bearish a good one or the bad one bear equals russia equals bad uh so okay. <laughs> also i guess in a uh, survival show context bear definitely equals bad, yes so that, that <laughs> absolutely yes i uh, so as someone who has seen the season of Alone where they did one uh, where they were playing out there like in pairs of loved ones and without getting into like explicit spoilers, it seemed significantly easier than the, for, in the primary ways than the average season of Alone where people are truly just out there completely by themselves. And so with that in mind, straight away coming in with the expectation that this is basically going to be alone, but in teams of four, I was sitting here thinking they're going to be out there all year. This is going to go on forever. And I can't believe that this is something they would actually do. I honestly think that at least on one hand, and we'll get into whether or not the other hand perhaps outweighs this, they kind of got lucky that the game accelerated to the extent that it did by just like the force of personality types of the players. Yeah, so it, it seems like on one extreme, you have uh, most seasons of Alone where part of what makes it so difficult is not just that you have to do everything by yourself, and if you're lacking one of those crucial survivor skills, then all of that's on you, and there's no way to, to really fix that. But it's also the, the isolation, right? The fact that you have no one to turn to, you're not going to see anyone other than maybe an occasional glimpse of a silent uh, cameraman or producer or something. No cameraman and... or producers, by the way. They oh, The really? only people they ever see are... Every like week or so, they have medical checks on a loan, and those are the only people they ever talk to. Or so they film everything themselves. Do they get to talk to the medical people, or is it done? They do indeed. Lime, or how, how does that work? Sorry, they you cut out okay. there for a second, and I just <laughs> acted like you were done talking. Uh, they do indeed get to interact with the medical people, but they're never. It seems like too focused on like soaking up this opportunity for some kind of social engagement they're just more focused on 
not getting pulled from the game for medical reasons, at least from what we get to see on TV. Maybe, indeed, plenty sure. of contestants along the way really do take a lot away from just those very brief interactions with other humans. But in any case, so you have that as one extreme, and then it sounds like alone in teams where those teams specifically are your loved ones, so people you know and trust and who, if you had to pick people to to brave the elements with, is going to be those people as long as they can hack it survival-wise. So, yeah, it seems like the alone team format would be the ideal setup almost if you're going to go out there for something like this. And then with Outlast... Yeah, it's alone in teams, but these are teams of strangers who are just picked arbitrarily uh, on day one. And so you're going to get all of the the tension and the infighting and so on that comes with that. And so I think just categorically, your expectations should be different coming in than they are for a show for a show like Alone, where if you are this kind of a like rugged survivalist who, and this is a classic trope, right? You would much rather be out there in nature than never have to talk to other people. Well in a team format where you have to talk to other people in order to survive that tension is hopefully interesting to explore but it's going to be there and that's that's part of the point part of the difference um so i think the idea that this is meant to be you know just another survival show i think is missing the point fundamentally and also if it had been just another survival show you probably would have heard about it i certainly would not have heard about it i only became aware of the show's existence seeing this article i think the the one on entertainment weekly saying you know outlast is pushing the boundaries for most unethical show of all time or some other ridiculous uh clickbaity title but i, I guess it worked because i briefly skimmed it surmised what i could without spoiling myself and thought okay well i, I want to see what's going on here and then dived into it uh on netflix just binge it in a quiet afternoon where i was away and, and had nothing else to do and so i don't know if i would have done that but bearing in mind uh, again, you are one of the, the biggest uh, alone advocates that I know. And despite your uh, constant evangelizing, I have not found it in me yet to sit down and watch a full season of that show. So m- maybe I will now. Maybe I'll have to like go in the other direction. Uh, but I think it, this might be a case where bad publicity is good publicity. And even though people now are in uproar, and if you look at the, the Reddit comment thread and so, uh, and so on, so many people are saying, I- I'm furious. I'm going to cancel my Netflix subscription. This is unethical. Worst thing I've ever seen. I don't know how many of those people are actually going to cancel anything. I think a decent number of them will be back for season two, and I will be back for season two if they do another one in a way that I I would not for, you know, generic uh, yet another survival show. So I think actually there are many similarities, perhaps, in the maiden voyage of Alone season one, Survivor season one, and Outlast season one, uh, where... I would say, and Dom, you are not wrong to f- to frame me as an alone evangelist slash propagandist. I will tell anyone who will listen that Alone is one of my favorite TV shows that I have found in the last many years. And I do not mean favorite reality TV shows. I mean favorite TV shows. Uh, and I will say to anyone who might be interested in Alone, because season one was a lot different than the rest, I, I would recommend starting with either season two or potentially even season three, uh, they all do very well at kind of standing on their own other than there is one returnee season, which is season five. But if you want to give Alone a shot, I would I would personally say start with season two or season three. Uh, but the kind of similarities I would draw, I think, are, are probably more in line between Outlast and Survivor, where I think at least on paper, and I could be dead wrong about this, but I got the sense from reading some interviews with the producers that they were just as surprised as the rest of us that 
the game kind of took the turn that it did this here on season one of Outlast. And I think what they thought was most likely, and I think what I would have thought was most likely, is a lot like what it seemed like Survivor was being presented or like publicized as before season one ever aired. Like I remember hearing about Survivor and this like groundbreaking new format where 16 people are going to go off on an island and see who can hack it and see what kind of like personal drama ends up unfolding between them. And what they ended up getting was obviously this very fascinating kind of strategic game uh, and people playing on a much different level, I would say, than was necessarily even intended. I think that's roughly what happened here as well. And I think in both cases, the producers at the very least were quite fortunate to have it be more than just people trying to survive the elements and each other. I think uh, both of those shows would not be anywhere close to where they are were it to have actually played out that way. And in the case of Outlast in particular, I think that is almost surely the case. Like, Tom, there are plenty of other wilderness survival shows that I've given maybe 10 minutes to, uh, not found myself hooked in and just shut it off and never thought about it again. And to be honest, the entire like first episode of this season, I think I went in, I, I already don't even remember what I knew about it. Uh, when I first fired it up, I think I went in knowing there was some sort of controversy around it, but that first episode really didn't go a long way in hooking me until the last couple of minutes where they showed what was to come in future weeks. And it's people like torching camps and breaking rafts and stealing sleeping bags and all, you know, the whole nine there. That is really what hooked me. And unlike Survivor in the year 2000, I frankly think like a reality TV show needs that kind of thing to really stand out from the pack these days. For sure. And I, I, I in, in the defense of the people who, are seeking out every new wilderness survival show and that's that's their genre that's their thing for them uh i guess the the, the premise if that's just what it was like yet another show that already would, would pique their interest but for them knowing that some of the people behind alone uh were working on this show as well and then some of the other people have been pretty vocal in public about how much they enjoy alone and are taking cues from alone in in designing their new uh reality show for netflix and so with that in mind, if you know the precedent there, it makes sense that you would kind of uh, adjust your expectations uh, accordingly. And so, yeah, well, I think maybe for those people, it was an especially jarring contrast where uh, I guess on alone, it's it's personal drama. It's uh, people running up against their own limits and their own perceptions of themselves. Really, by definition, no cause for interpersonal conflict. And then I think that maybe, as you suggested on this show, the producers themselves, with that background uh, that, that they had, they were expecting maybe the, the limit of the drama to be, for example, when Paul defected over uh, from Delta to Charlie and you saw his former teammates track him down to his new camp and yell at him and cheer him out. And that was uncomfortable, but also great TV at the same time. And I thought that is maybe what they were aiming for. Like that, that's going to be the crowning moment of drama in a season like this and we got that but then we also got so much more on top that they it certainly seemed like they, they weren't expecting it at all right i think that was the intended kind of interpersonal drama is people essentially betraying each other by bailing for uh, a better camp and like better shot at winning and i don't know 
how things would have played out like along those lines had this season just continued going the way it was going for the early days. Like I'm guessing we probably would have gotten a bit more of that, but I'm honestly not a hundred percent sure uh, along those lines. And then the other thing is Dom, the one thing I was telling myself before we came on air about what I definitely did not want to do over the course of this podcast is constantly make this just a commercial for alone. Uh, and I feel like we've talked, we've said the word alone, like, I don't know, 50 times in the first 15 minutes or so here. But I, I mean, in fairness, it is like a very apt parallel to draw, but I am very self-conscious about that and will do my best to curb my enthusiasm uh, along those lines here. But yeah, I once we end up, you know, seeing the early days play out and everyone's set up their camps and gotten to know each other. They've had a, maybe a mission or two. Uh, we'll get, I'm sure get into everything that went on with that rafting mission to go get the crab traps uh, a little later. Once the actual like big time drama starts unfolding, and I would say, well, certainly not trying to steer anything close to 100% of the blame away from Amber and Justin. I would say Jill was really the one kind of driving the bus as far as all of that goes, uh, especially as the season can continued to go on. Did you find this to be like one of the most shocking things you had indeed seen on reality TV in quite some time. Shocking in the sense of unexpected. Uh, I did not have the same inherent revulsion that a lot of people did. Uh, what Jill and Amber are doing, I mean, it didn't it certainly didn't endear them to me. I found myself rooting against them like everybody else did. But in terms of what the show had set up and the rules, however blurry, and that's certainly a cause of controversy that we'll come back to, uh, it, it seemed like this was within the rules and they were pushing the boundaries of the rules and just sort of like general shitty versus not shitty behavior. Uh, but I expected, yeah, you're going to have people like Javier who are trying to kind of mostly play it straight up and, and treat it as a contest of survival. And then people who treat it as a contest of like capital S survivor at its limits and uh, to to be a lot more confident about it. So I was expecting uh, raids of other camps, attempts at sabotage, stuff like that, and maybe not to the extent that we saw, but I thought it was at least in play. And I, I again, had we not got that, I, a lot of people would have walked away happier, but I don't know if they would have remembered this show or this season six months from now. Right. And, uh, and I, I will say, I, I feel bad for whoever the fourth member of Alpha Team was. I don't even remember myself, and it's proving shockingly difficult to actually Google that and get a definite answer, so maybe that anonymity is going to protect them, but when was they it, see... Was it, the, was it the guy Lee? Was he the one? He he got, like, sick early oh, on? Oh, yeah. It, I mean, every team had people who just, like, couldn't hack it and, and bad out early. It may have been Lee, yeah, and I, I don't know if he would answer yes if it was him, if you asked him, just <laughs> given the... The reputation of Alpha Team at this point, but it's got to be weird seeing just the name Alpha Team become uh, synonymous with that behavior. And it's like, oh, I, I technically was there too, but let's uh, brush out under the rug a little bit. Yeah, well, I mean, I, first of all, it would be very funny if Lee was actually the one kind of planting the seeds for all of this just before he ended up leaving, and then they just kind of acted on that. I don't think that is too likely to be the case. I think, as far as I was concerned, I, again, was very much hooked in by the kind of teaser at the end of the first episode showing what kind of carnage awaited us if we can if we, you know we've hit next episode and kept watching the weird thing about it to me that I did not expect based on that preview was 
just how much of it was going to be initiated by that one team, the Alpha team, where there were, over the course of the season, certainly people from virtually all, if not literally all, of the other camps engaging in acts of sabotage against other teams. But I, at least based on what I remember of it, would say it was almost exclusively, if not entirely exclusively, i.e. exclusively, uh, yes, a, a retaliatory, if that's a word. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, it, you, you're right. It was. It, it seemed like Alpha Alpha Team opened the floodgates, and after that, everything was just kind of going back and forth and uh, trying to match what the other teams were doing. And it, it seemed like a happy or unhappy coincidence, depending on your perspective here, that it seems like all of the most uh, gleeful saboteurs in Jill and Amber, and that's a, a unit uh, that we're going to talk about a lot, and also Justin ended up on Alpha Team together. I wonder if, yeah. like, if if Justin is uh, there across the river from Jill and Amber, is he going over to them, starting a war with them, or are they uh, giving as good as they're getting? Uh, but instead, you had all of the the most toxic people clustered together on one team, right? encouraging each other's worst habits, probably, uh, and seeing the internal conflict in Alpha, where uh, Jill was ready to sell out Justin, Justin was ready to sell out Jill, uh, and the backbiting there. You knew that was going to uh, boil over at some point. That was going to be truly combustible. Uh, so we were just waiting for uh, for that to, uh, to to come come in. And then, yeah, like if if Bravo team is, it's not uh, this, this odd duet of Javier and Brian. Instead, it's Javier and Justin, like, does the entire season play out differently? Like, I, I don't know. So I've had very similar thoughts about this, that I, I think in the context of this discussion, you can frame it as good luck for the producers, that, because it's not like these people really knew each other when they were landing on their teams. I do think they basically hit the lottery in getting all of Justin, Amber, and Jill on the same team together. And clearly, this sort of thing is not outside the boundaries for Justin, but I don't know if he would have been as eager to go for that sort of uh, strategy, if you want to call it that, were he, you know, initially put on, for instance, the Charlie team or basically any other team where he was surrounded by people who were not constantly talking about things that they could do to sabotage the other camps there. And I think more significantly, Dom, is having Jill and Amber on the same team because uh, at, at the risk of overreaching here and reading too much into an obviously heavily edited TV show, I came away with a strong sense that Jill and Amber were kind of peas of a pod from peas in a pod with roughly kind of similar backgrounds. And I did wonder if, okay, I, I, I'll, I'll put it this way. I think both Jill and Amber have seen some shit, like some been mm. through a lot of very traumatic situations over the course of their lives. I'm sure they're not alone, but obviously, you know, for obvious reasons, they're the two that got the most focus along those lines. I honestly don't know how long Amber in particular would have necessarily wanted to stay out there if she wasn't with someone like Jill. And I got the vibe that, because of that kind of loosely shared background and spending all day, every day together, they had an easy time talking themselves into the idea of 
we've both been through so much. We've constantly had to fight so hard for ourselves. I like Amber talks about getting shot in the face or something by one of her exes as not even the worst thing that's ever happened to her. And I don't know what I I could guess uh, what some worst things might be, but I don't know. I, I got the sense that those two really bonded on a deep, meaningful level. I believe it, you know, we, we got confessionals from Amber at the end of the season talking about the offers she was getting to go join Charlie and probably win the game. If she made that decision, she said, I'm not going to sell Amber out like that. I think in their minds, especially when they're a month into this, they were doing a lot of thinking and quite realistically, a lot of talking about how both of our lives have basically been building up to this point where those skills we've developed to constantly get through these shitty situations in life are finally going to pay off. And all of that, struggle and perseverance is at long last going to be rewarded yeah and one uh theme that they hit on repeatedly is they have just been betrayed by all these terrible men in their life so often and if you look across the the entire male cast who is the guy who if you had to pick one of them most resembles those uh those horrible uh, demons from their past, it's going to be Justin, right? Like, it's, it's not going to be Brian or Javier or something. And and so when he is on your team and he is the agent of chaos who's instigating all of this stuff, that, that is going to confirm all of that in your mind. And they extrapolated that into everyone out there. Our entire competition is just as shitty, just as cutthroat, just as hypocritical. And so you saw at the end when they were saying, oh, yeah, Javier's a shitty person. Uh, he may have been annoying uh, if some of his uh, former teammates were anything to go by, but seems like a well-meaning guy at the very least. But they had taught themselves into thinking, this guy is just some hell beast who's out to get us. Uh, and to be fair, the guy on their team who stuck around was out to get them before he fucked <laughs> yeah. off uh, because they were trying to get him first. Uh, so I personally, for as much as... Uh, I, like basically everyone else, did not like Jill and Amber. I found their, I don't even know if it was sisterly or maternal or whatever Amber's dependence on Jill was. And then Jill flirting with the idea of going over, but then saying she wasn't going to sell out Amber. Although I kind of think if they had just offered you and Amber come over as a pair, maybe it would have worked. But I I found that whole storyline really captivating. And honestly, the kind of thing that is the kind of reality TV that I enjoy at its best. So uh, like Survivor at its best or Big Brother at its best. A show like this, very different, but still at its best, where you form this really deep connection and that leads to some really tough in-game decisions with the mechanics of the game, which again are very fuzzy and will not make clear to the audience at large. It, 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 or uh, and I think the same goes for the players themselves, but I, I, I was captivated, honestly, watching the the rise and hopefully fall because i was hoping for that i want to stress of of jill and amber but uh that whole thing i thought was like yeah that's exactly how you draw it up in the uh in the in the room is it because i i too i had a bit of internal conflict about the idea of oh my god what if this actually works out for them at the same time dom i remember Season one of Survivor very well, where Richard Hatch went in there with what at the time was perceived by those around him to be a patently diabolical scheme of kind of violating the spirit of the show and forming an alliance and 
basically using math to his advantage, which I will absolutely grant is much, much different than using sabotage to your advantage there. But I don't know if Survivor is not only on the air today, I don't know if Survivor makes it to season five without Richard Hatch going very far, if not pulling out the win as he did. Spoiler alert on Survivor from 23 years ago. It certainly crossed my mind that at least on some level, the same way that like having this level of debauchery in the mix in the first place, I think was just objectively very good at generating buzz for the show. I would imagine if it actually worked out and Jill and Amber did go on to win, I have a hard time at least convincing myself that that wouldn't have been drastically more buzzworthy and talked about than what we ultimately saw play out, which is them making it to the end, but then losing in the final trek or whatever you want to call it there. So I I was personally not rooting to see that kind of behavior rewarded in this case or in any other case on reality TV that I can think of. Uh, But a part of me does recognize that from a purely TV perspective, I could easily see a case made that that would be the kind of ideal outcome. I I agree with that to an extent. I also think this is where the idea of any publicity is good publicity right. runs up against the wall because uh, if if Jill and Amber go on to win, I think that is in some ways the most fitting storyline for the season. I think it's also it, it gets even more buzz or negative press, something in between around the show. But I also think it makes it less likely that the show gets renewed and gets to come back because they would see the, the reaction here is so polarizing and there is a sense of like at, at least as it sounds right now the reaction is well i hated that but at least they lost in the end and wasn't it great watching them lose at the final hurdle to uh to the charlie boys and instead it's oh god that behavior got rewarded this show is terrible I, netflix needs to be canceled uh, you know the, burn the whole thing to the ground you may be right um, yeah yeah so i I don't know where that comes out in the wash necessarily. I think the the big difference that you uh, touched on is when Richard Hatch is doing what he's doing and the, this hyper violence behavior is agreeing to write people's names down, whereas what uh, Jill and Amber and Justin are doing is uh, destroying property in a survivalist context where you need your sleeping bags to survive, to get through the night without getting hypothermia and needing the medical team to cart you off in their helicopter. Uh, and th- this is where the the rules of the show and the ethical boundaries is unclear if they're even consistent, let alone running in parallel with each other. Because, for example, when Jill goes over to the Bravo camp and Javier is there, and it's very clear, if Javier leaves to go and uh, check what Justin is doing down on the shore, Jill is just going to ransack uh, the entire camp. What can Javier do in that situation? Can he just tell her to fuck off? Can he try and like physically resist her attempts to to break up his camp uh it's it's not clear where the limits are and so many of the reactions i saw were people saying if i had done that i don't care what they the producers would have done i would have beat her to a pulp i would have shot her with my bow and arrow i would have you know some kind of uh violence which they almost seem to want drill to to do so that they would have an excuse to perform in like this very you know twisted way um i, I think a lot of people frankly are telling on themselves with their reactions here where it's like 
they almost want to do things that are 10 times worse than anything yeah. our team is doing in the game as a response to you know, being able to take down these villains. Uh, but I, I think it is a legitimate question of what exactly can you do as a means of resistance here, right? I, and so if, if it is fair game to uh, destroy someone's, not just property, but property that they need to actually have any shot of surviving in the game and in the rules, then what level of retaliation is acceptable, given all of that? Uh, you know, if, if Javier is willing to fight fire with fire, what exactly can he do? Uh, and where does that lead the show if that is basically the only, the only strategy on the table is to uh, raise that to the maximum before you get kicked off uh, for taking it too far? So I will be beyond floored if this or any other reality show ever gives the green light to physical violence as like a retaliatory word that I've just learned, still struggling, not landing on whether or not that's the real word, measure. Uh, to me, as someone who has watched a lot of reality TV over the last couple decades, other than shows that are like explicitly like about physical combat sort of environments... I can't come up with a single example where that sort of thing would ever fly and would result in anything other than you are immediately out if you are getting physically violent with any of the other competitors, no matter if they are coming down to burn down your camp and essentially make you choose between hypothermia or giving up. Uh, I am with you in having absolutely no clarity of any kind on what is within his rights, uh, or you know, to use Javier as the example here, but... I think a big tell may be what we end up seeing if there is indeed a season two. Like that to me is, if it happens, going to be a big indicator for what Netflix and what the, you know Jason Bateman and the other producers thought was good or bad about this show and what kind of show they want it to be is like one of the, the primary reasons that I really want there to be a second season of this is to get some kind of insight into that sort of thing. Like I've, I, I know they've done interviews at EW. I know Mike Bloom uh, did an interview and the big story coming out of that has been largely about how they were just as surprised as everyone else about the lengths that people were actually willing to go to, to eliminate the competition here. But when I think the big tell is going to be, if slash when they are designing season two, what kind of rule changes, if any, there indeed are or clarifications or anything along those lines, because I'm guessing there will be some, but I don't know which direction that's ultimately going to go. Dom, if you had to guess, do you think that in the world where season two does indeed happen and potentially even beyond that, that the alpha team is going to be kind of that Richard Hatch figure where it was a pretty big outlier in the first season, but the show went on to lean very hard into that going forward. And alternatively, could they be more like a Russell Hance type where over time it becomes clear they were just the only people who were about that life and just kind of like scummy enough to go forward with this sort of thing if it is even legal in future seasons i think the social pressure will be to cast people who are much more on the survivalist end of things like more javiers and less 
uh, Justin's. Actually, more Jordan's. Give me more Jordan. Yeah. Jordan was phenomenal. Like, and, and I think to to go back to this framing of what you know, what I ordered versus what I got. I think what they ordered was villains like Jordan, right? These people who were too cocky for their own good and talked a big game, and then it blew up in their face in the most amazing way. Jordan's storyline was hilarious and fantastic, and but in the grand scheme of things very very innocent as well right um and so i think that's what they wanted what they got was uh justin and jill and friends uh instead i, I think for a season two if it comes back at the very least you're going to have much more explicit rules about what kinds of sabotage are within the limits uh so you know you can steal this type of equipment, this kind of thing, you cannot uh, set fire to the entire camp and they <laughs> have literally nothing. And, well, either we leave them out here to, to freeze to death or we made a vacuum out of the game. Like, maybe there's going to be a clear point in that spectrum where we cut things off and, and, and make it clear. And maybe introducing some formal opportunity to visit or interact and sabotage other camps is the way to do that. Have it be like a, a camp raid on Survivor, right, and see where that leads to in terms of negotiation and stuff like that, maybe that's how you have to to reconcile all of it. But to go back to what uh, Alpha Team actually did, I, I think people are jumping on that natural moral intuition that, oh my God, you destroyed this this vital equipment that they need to live, you psychopath, when the the the, the fact that they are on a reality show comes with certain inbuilt safeguards attached to it where yeah if you are in a an actual factual survival situation and you see someone doing their best to survive and you go over and you destroy their, their stuff yeah that is psychopathic behavior that should land you in jail for, for a very long time in the the context of this competition you know it's not going to reach the point where you burning their sleeping bag is going to put them in any actual physical danger because the the stop that's in place is well, they leave the game. And that's maybe a flaw in the rules. Maybe you do that, they get uh, some very basic equipment as a replacement, like a less glamorous sleeping bag or something, and the game continues on. Uh, but if if you think that's a shitty thing to do, and I see where people are coming from with that, then it's not because there was any tangible physical risk other than the, the one that they had signed up for and the one that the producers had put them in and, you know, whatever Jill and Justin did uh, to them is, like, uh, I think a distant third on that list. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what a potential season two would look like, both in terms of design by the producers and execution by the players, because it very much sounds to me, uh, like, as you touched on earlier, Dom, this show was, to a non-zero extent, and potentially a very meaningful extent, inspired by alone uh and wanting to do kind of a different take on that that had its own unique premise and what they ultimately and it, to be clear alone is nothing like this They're, they never see each other's camps they never sabotage anything and i i don't know that any of the people on alone would be into that sort of thing although i'm guessing you know over the years at least a couple of them would have potentially done so uh, had that opportunity presented itself, but as far as I can tell, it seems like the mission statement of creating a kind of different version of an alone type show is a lot 
is is very far off from what they ultimately got here uh, for pretty obvious reasons. And on top of that, I think anyone applying to this show for season two will have presumably seen or at least heard about in pretty significant detail what happened on season one. And my concern, and this would be a concern I would have if I was a producer as well, is that because everyone applying for a potential season two had some degree of familiarity with how things played out the first time, the Javier's of the world that I think the producers would want to be on this sort of thing. That's I don't know. I'm just, that's just my thought uh, of what the producers were going for with this sort of thing will be far more reluctant to apply. Uh, and inversely the, the Jill's and Amber's and Justin's and, and people uh, along those lines will be much more inclined to apply to this sort of thing. Now I do think that, they would get enough applications that they could easily come up with 16 people who are more in the Javier mold. If that is indeed the road that they would rather go down there. Uh, but seeing what a potential season two and uh, execution on a second season would look like again, from both the producer and player perspective, I think is going to be the big indicator of what they thought would what the people who run the show thought was good and something that they want to have continue to be a part of it versus something that they understand happened and are grateful for whatever publicity it may have given them. But going forward, we kind of rather avoid that sort of thing. I think it's going to be really interesting if, if we end up getting to see that play out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. So Dom, I know we've had many names come up in passing here that I'd like to touch a little more on, uh, just because we've spent so much time on just kind of the villainous side of things. What were your thoughts on Javier, who it seemed like, at least to me, was among the most capable kind of actual survivalists, but right away was kind of rubbing people on his team the wrong way. He ends up being the last remaining member of his group and ultimately is not able to find another team willing to take him in. And as a result, he's just going to have to fire his flair and kind of lose by default there. Were you a Javier guy? I was not as big a Javier guy as a lot of the viewers who seem to treat him as this Messiah figure and the, the only person uh, worth anything left there. And the moment he left is the moment they quit watching. Uh, I thought he was, he made for a good like underdog and hero and, moral compass i guess in the context of the show uh i enjoyed the the odd couple thing that he had with brian going on uh so yeah i you know very valuable addition uh to the cast i think and yeah we're watching him cast around for any team to take him in uh after being so kind of cruelly beaten down by alpha team like that that was a a really uh, phenomenal storyline to end uh that that part of the season with so i was getting my hopes up uh and was kind of disappointed when it seemed like Javier and Dawn and uh, forgive me for forgetting the other guy's name, the the remnants of Delta, I thought they were going to come together and be a new team, but it seemed like uh, that was given up on pretty quickly there. And that ultimately was Javier's undoing. Uh, I was, I personally thought Javier was a vital part of this show and I really enjoyed him. And I will probably not be the first to say let's get Javier on alone. I think he'd be really cool mm. to have uh, on alone. And I think he would enjoy his experience on alone 
a hell of a lot more than he did uh, this time around. I, I don't know if like Exit Press with with Javier exists, but I would I would definitely be curious to hear uh, his thoughts I, on. I, I don't think formal Exit Press does, but he has been very active on the. Uh, the, the Reddit threads and the subreddit talking about the show, uh, and I imagine if you know if Rob wanted to rope him in for a, a deep dive or something, he would uh, he would jump at the opportunity. So it, it seems like there really is no love lost between the cast members still to this day. So, and oh, uh, no way, no, shocking, right? And yeah, they, they basically are all what they say on the tin uh, in in that regard. Uh, I thought, uh, yeah, I think Javier is someone who. I, I like temperamentally seems more suited to alone, right? Where if he is a the team leader, in part because he does seem to genuinely know his stuff and want to to make the experience good for everyone, but that's going to rub people the wrong way sometimes. That's something that makes him really well suited to alone, and also TV wise suited to a show like this, where clearly he knows his stuff, but the way he conveys that uh, is causing friction. That is like uh, just bread and butter early season reality TV stuff for, for a show like this. Oh, right? I mean, Javier uh, would have been the first one out on Survivor Australian <laughs> Outback. Like, that's the, the kind of yes. presence. But, I, you know, on these actual wilderness survival shows, I think he could do well. Although I will say, uh, not to get up on my high horse of alone standum here, as someone who has been deeply consumed by that franchise for quite some time now, I would say that the shelters and kind of general survivalist stuff that we actually got to see on the show paled in comparison to what the people on Alone are able to do, at least on the more recent seasons. <laughs> of Alone. So Alone's had this kind of inter- interesting trajectory, uh, and the reason, spoiler, minor, minor spoiler alert, that I recommended people skip season one is they ran into a similar issue on season one where they start with ten people and they wound up with at least four or five who were just in way over their heads. Uh, and I think that was the case with at least a few people here on Outlast, but alone over time has become a very highly regarded show within the like absolute beasts of wilderness survival kind of community. And it's almost like the survivalist Olympics at this point. And they get some absolute monsters on that show who I feel like put up better shelters in a couple of weeks by themselves than these groups were putting up in a month <laughs> uh, with four people there. And I, I don't mean to sell anyone short. I'm sure it was not not remotely easy for anyone who was actually out there. Uh, but Well, I, it's interesting because I, I actually heard some praise of maybe not all of the shelters, but they said that by the end, it seemed like the remaining teams had actually set up pretty good living quarters for themselves, uh, you know, sabotage accepted, and that if the show was going to reach its natural conclusion, then yeah, they, they could uh, plausibly survive out there for a long, long time, and God only knows how long the, the show would go on for. So it's interesting that that is uh, kind of good shelters in the kiddie pool that they're swimming in, and if you actually get to you know the, the big leagues, then uh, you're looking at the, these palaces that they've built out there uh, single-handedly. So I, don't, I admittedly don't have a super clear picture in my mind of what the alpha shelter ultimately ended up looking like. I definitely will give credit to the Charlie shelter seemed very legitimate, but again, would say four people over the course of a month is a whole different ball game than one person having to do everything by themselves. And I would say the Charlie shelter 
seemed like right around kind of alone caliber. But it, again, with four people, that's a, a much easier bar to kind of clear there. And again, yeah. I'm not deeply self-conscious about <laughs> no, you're, completely you're fine. You're fine. throwing <laughs> these people under the bus. <laughs> well, no, I, I absolutely am. And I, 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 I would I would be out there. I'd be dead on day one, just to be clear. I am not at all saying that I could personally do anything remotely close to this. Mm-hmm. And this is where you wonder about the incentives they have as uh, producers and, and in casting, where you, you almost want there to be some number of people who seem like they are well-equipped for it, but it turns out they can't hack it and they go home early just to drive home how difficult these is, this is, how rough the conditions are, and also because you can't really follow 16 people for the duration of enti- an entire season like this and have any idea who they are for the most part. And we, we, we saw even, like the winning team... I didn't really know who Seth was by the end, right? And maybe that's because he is, like, the most drama-free, the most just, like, quietly competent of the entire bunch. Uh, but even once we got down to five, six, seven people, like Joel and Dawn, even before, you know, we, we saw them when they were immersed in drama and when they were struggling at the end for survival and acceptance. But before that, kind of flew under the radar a bit, uh, at least in my recollection. So you, you want the cast to winnow itself down, to the point where it's easy for uh, producers and the viewers uh, to to follow them all, and also just to set the stage for, yeah, the, these are the people who couldn't hack it, these are the people who can, let's watch them duke it out at the end. That said, though, uh, from the interviews I read, it sounded like the producers were surprised at some of the people who both made it as far as they did and who also bowed out as early as they did. And I think it is tough to predict sometimes where like you have these people who on paper are uh, natural, hardcore survivalists, who they get out there within days are just begging for the first uh, uh, lift out of there. Yeah, uh, Seth, to me, really stood out from the pack in the same way. And Dom, this is a super deep cut and spoiler alert on... God, what was it called? Was it called True Grit? Was it called American Grit? That old show that was hosted by John Cena. Do you remember? It was a good show. American Grit, yeah. Yeah, uh, True Grit. Okay, True Grit grit is something decidedly different. I now realize uh, I remember watching that season, and I think we were probably watching it and talking to each other about it. I don't think we ever podcasted about it, but the one guy who really stood out to me in terms of, okay, it seems like this guy is getting kind of like the winner edit in in terms that we generally use compared to literally everyone else in the cast. And that was also a situation where they were playing in teams. And Seth stood out to me as that kind of figure of it seemed like everything we were seeing from Seth was him staying positive and persevering and whatever else he could possibly bring to the table there. And I pretty... Uh, early into the season was at the point where I would have been surprised had whatever team Seth was on not ended up as the winners uh, of that season. I, I think it would have been great TV again uh, on at least one hand, if that finale had kind of gone the other way. But early on I was thinking, okay, Seth is a guy to pay attention to just because he is getting, none of the like conflict kind of content and is always just boosting morale around camp and keeping a level head and all the things that you're looking for uh, in surviving in these sorts of conditions. Uh, The same, I would say certainly cannot be said about the other two people who ended up on this winning team. Nick 
early his name was Nick, right? Uh early yes. on <laughs> had that kind of spat with Angie about the raft and what they were going to do and who was going to get sent down uh and actually to to quickly put a pin on the the makeup of the winning team. I loved Angie and that scene where she and Jordan uh were rafting against each other to go get the crab traps. So good. Was yeah. yeah, one easily one of the highlights of the entire season and I was very very sad to see Angie essentially get medevaced uh, out of this season. I mean, literally get medevaced, I guess, out of this season. So apart from that, though, it seemed like Nick didn't really have that much in the way of character development, at least in a respect that has stuck with me about a week or two, however long it's been since watching the season. And maybe they shortchanged him uh, to some extent. And maybe, by the way, there was no manipulation whatsoever going on with Seth's edit, I should add, uh, where maybe that just is genuinely how he is 24-7. That wouldn't surprise me either. Uh, but then the third guy on the winning team, Paul, one of the funniest things to me, if I mean, maybe the hardest I laughed all season outside of things pertaining to Jill and Javier going back and forth was when Justin like attempts to defect at the end and then kind of comes clean after that arrow gets sh uh, shot across the river and they know that, Hey, maybe there are some reasons that Justin from like an integrity standpoint may not be a great fit on this team to see Paul lecturing this dude about how, you know, over here at team Charlie, there's just no wiggle room for dishonor. Everyone has got to be completely on the up and up at all times after this guy obviously knows what he did to his original team and just completely bailed on them out of the blue without so much as saying goodbye. He just basically said, I'm going out for a pack of cigarettes, see you in an hour and then never came back home. Uh, I thought that was hysterical uh, oh, it, it, <laughs> from Paul. It, it, yeah, it, it was. Yeah. What he did was, it was cold, and he could have been less uh, cowardly about it, I suppose. But... Oh, I think he was being serious, by the way. I think he was being 100% serious, that in his mind, he was totally clean and did not violate any of the Team Charlie code of ethics. Well, I, I mean, I think the, as the way he sees it, uh, he, within the rules, made the individual decision to leave a sinking ship and go to a different team. And even though you could say, oh, well, the whole uh, crab trap thing... Uh, I see why he would think to himself, there's a difference between what I did and Justin just going full scorched earth on the way out and uh, you know, everything else that he'd been guilty of up until that point. Whereas, yeah, obviously Paul's uh, former Delta teammates are, are going to feel mad about it and they have a right to. But did he do anything that was like unethical? Eh, no, I don't think so. Uh, so I, I think there is, or if you care about litigating a difference, I, I think there is one there. But uh, the... The whole Justin of it all at the end, and then also Javier uh, just being forced out at the end as well, raises uh, this question about the rules, which is, why does it have to be that way? Why do you need to find uh, shelter in another team? And I guess the answer is that if you structure this as a team experience, then you need to prove yourself to either your team or another team and to be accepted within a team if it's, if it's going to be a, a team show. That being said, if you're going to do that, you naturally create this situation where there's going to be a lot of uh, politicking around defections and strategizing about, for example, when Paul was uh, trying to get Jill to play turncoat as well. Well, yeah, if if Jill and Amber come over to Charlie at that point, they leave Justin out in the cold. Effectively, Justin is disqualified. He has been voted out uh, indirectly by everyone else there. 
And so does the game just end at that point? Do they split the money? Do they, uh, is that a wrap? And how do you, but bearing in mind that presumably they need to have a fixed number of episodes. Do they then have to like scramble it? And uh, does the editing become wonky if the season ends weeks earlier than you expect it to? And would they have allowed that? Is there a maximum team size that you're allowed to have uh, that would prevent uh, maneuvers like that? If so, we didn't hear anything about it. Um, it was never alluded to uh, on the show itself. And I think a lot of people would like to see, okay, Javier is, isn't going to be accepted by any other team. Fine. Let him tough it out by himself. Let him compete in that final challenge, which still not sure why that had to exist by himself. Uh, and let him compete as a solo entity. And if Javier, after that treatment and that rejection, he single-handedly takes home the prize, which... I, Apparently, there's an ca- uh, individual cap at 250,000, but they scale it up to a million because if your team of four wins, they each get 250, so it's a million. A L- little less uh, exciting behavior if he only gets uh, a quarter of that. But, you know, if he goes home, he, in theory, takes the, the entire prize. That's that's a feel-good ending to what has been a feel-bad season for a lot of people up until then. Uh, yeah, I, I had plenty of questions of my own about all of that, uh, and it sounds like, there may have been some rules in play that were either not explained to the audience and potentially not even really explained to the players. Uh, I got the vibe that many things, or at least a few things, were kind of being made up on the fly as this season went on. But I, I also found myself wondering what would be so bad about someone wanting to branch off and become Team Echo uh, and just make their own camp and in thinking about that dom i knew that i could do that kind of uh like military alphabet up through i knew echo i knew foxtrot i just googled it and found out what the one is for g i cannot explain to you how disappointing this is you have such cool ones where it goes alpha bravo charlie delta echo foxtrot g golf <laughs> well, what were you expecting it to be? I don't know, but some cool word that that sounds distinct, like cannot be mistaken for any word that like rhymes with it. I think is the the general vibe of uh, what they're going for. There it goes: golf, hotel, India, Juliet. Like this, this they really peaked early uh, with with the naming of that kind of alphabet there. But I uh, another thing that i was very much unclear on and i may just be like murky on the details here i thought it was the case that a team was maxed out at at four people was javier making the pitch to become the fifth with uh charlie at the end or was it would he have been the fourth he would have been the fourth at that point so i I guess once once justin comes over (laughs) then it's four but yeah so they, they were in theory competing to be the fourth and then justin they they bring justin in after rejecting Javier and then like vote him out because of his misdeeds or whatever. And that, that, that in itself, it was unclear under the rules if you could uh, vote someone out effectively in that way. Uh, it turns out the, the word on the street afterwards is you could do that the whole time. That was just never made explicit. But that I was surprised to hear that because then I, I'm starting to wonder at the point where relations between Justin and Jill and Amber were at their worst. Why didn't Jill and Amber just say, yeah, okay, Justin, hit the highway. We're, we're done with you, right? And Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, it is. So a lot of stuff doesn't really add up however you slice it. And that's what I think for the people who were already going to find this a, a tough watch made the experience more frustrating is that a lot of the, the rules underlying it, whether it's, whether it's uh, that, whether it's 
what level of physical injury are you allowed to inflict on other contestants? None of that was really made explicit in a way that did, I think, harm the, the viewing experience. And along similar lines, I kept wondering the whole time, how does this end in like a clean way unless the last two or three, however many people are on like the penultimate team all quit together? Or does it just become the case that like once you're the last one left on the penultimate team, you're just out unless the other team somehow decides they'd like to split the prize money with you and take you in, which I can't realistically see happening. It very much seemed to me like a messy end game was going to be heading our way in terms of just like weird formatting. And they certainly delivered uh, along those lines <laughs> where they have out of nowhere, at least maybe I just missed the, the setup to this, but to me it was like a huge surprise to see the game decided based on this like few hours long kind of trek through the wilderness from point A to point B. And after a month and a half or however many days they were out there, it all comes down to what is essentially a foot race uh, to determine the winners here. I would not be surprised at all to find out that the producers basically made that up on the fly, like two or three days before they decided that that was going to be what it was. And I am certainly willing to grant a tremendous amount of flexibility or leeway or whatever with producers out there on the first season of filming some new show. I, and nothing has really been set in stone. And for instance, I think one of the funniest things about the original season of Alone that I found out uh, listening to an interview with one of the contestants who was on it is when they were actually out there filming it, they didn't even know what the show was going to be called at that point. It was just like unnamed survivalist project. <laughs> and so no one was calling it uh, Alone. Uh, and obviously no one knew what to expect. Or like on the first season of Alone, they didn't know if they were going to be out there for two weeks or six months. They they had no bearing on what really to expect. And I am totally willing to be generous uh, with this and any other reality show along those sorts of lines. But as willing as I am to, to be generous about that sort of thing, I really thought the finale fell flat, uh, hmm. it, at least in terms of the way they designed this end game uh, of having that like several miles long journey through the rivers and mountains and whatever. Did you find this satisfying or what? I, I no, I, I did not. It, it fell flat to me too. It was a weird choice that I think uh, was meant to bail them out of the previous weird choice where, yeah, once you get down to two teams, there's this weird uh, like game theory problem of well, who, who is meant to leap over and the moment that uh, one of the last two teams has exactly two people, then does the game just end where the first one of them who crosses over can can uh, effectively lock in the thing for themselves? It, it gets very strange, and I don't think that's how they envision the show ending. They do want it to be a survival show, uh, despite what the, the final product may have been. And so having it be this way, where, yeah, once we get down to two defined teams, this is how we battle it out. I guess it, it puts an end to all of that nonsense, and then also, I think that, and this is speculation on my part, but I imagine for a show like this, where going back to the uh, the, the Jill uh, and Justin thing for a second, one interesting thing about how all of that played out was they deliberately waited for a time where then they knew that most of the crew 
would be uh, out and there would only be this uh, skeleton crew on location at the time to do that. And so uh, the fact that it was filmed at all, that was the, the one production person who was there, like hastily grabbing a camera and filming it. And then uh, once the main producers got back, they were kind of rattled. And that's how you get to this weird decision to uh, let Delta team view the camera footage, which really breaks the integrity of the show. But I think they, they didn't know what they were getting themselves into at that point. So it, it really seemed like they were trying to uh, kind of minimize the production and the production costs crucially involved. And so I wonder if, yeah, once you get to the point where, okay, Jill and Amber clearly here for the long haul, uh, all of team Charlie all know what they're doing clearly here for the long haul. How are you meant to, uh, if you're the, the accountant uh, doing the stuff for Netflix, how are you meant to budget for or predict if the show uh, goes on for, for three days, for three months? Uh, you know, how many people do we need out there? Uh, if you, you, ha- you need all like, the, the helicopters and the medical team. It feels like there's a lot of moving parts here that you have to coordinate. And so I, I think having this defined endpoint and, and that that makes me think maybe it was always going to lead to a conclusion like this. I, I think it makes sense in purely logistical terms, even if in terms of the, the show's narrative itself, it really is out of the blue and just like saps all of the momentum out of it. My guess would be uh, to pull another deep cut from 2013 or so that this f- finale kind of format ages much like that of the original season of King of the Nerds, uh, where it in future seasons becomes like a completely different uh, kind of way that winners are determined. Uh, And I'm guessing that is not the only thing that may have some kind of like Borneo vibes. If we do see repeated iterations of this show, but Dom, yeah, as you flagged up, I want to give a big time shout out to whoever that woman was, who was there. She was some like junior producer or something, but at least according to the interviews I've seen, it was literally just this one woman who was like available that day who filmed the entire sleeping bag heist like by herself. And I don't know that there was even necessarily much she or anyone else could do with the kind of short staff side of things going on to stop the Delta team from breaking into the production. Like it could from the, into the production tent where like it could very easily have been the case in my mind that like, well, there's three of them and there's one of me, like a couple of them are going to make it through. <laughs> like there, There's nothing I can physically do to, to prevent this from happening. But yeah, uh, a, a pretty lackluster ending in my mind, but an overall a season uh, that I certainly was very happy to have heard about and watched uh, in the span of, I, I think I put it down in like two days or so, not to brag. Uh, Dom. I, I, I do do wonder if part of the, the, the shock and awe with which people are receiving this comes from the fact that it just gets dropped on Netflix one day. And so, yeah, you have the, the people who love every survival show under the sun and who are going to seek this out. And they are really alienated by what they see because they want just another survival show. And what they get is whatever this hot mess is. And then you have the people, I think the, the silent majority are well, maybe not so silent on the other extreme who they're just browsing Netflix and they see this and they think, okay, that sounds kind of cool. And they, naively expect it to be a show like alone for whatever their understanding of that is and what they get is this this hot mess instead and so i I wonder if the fact that the mass audience for the show just doesn't didn't know what they were getting into and maybe has warped expectations of just 
what is normal on reality competition shows in general uh, is what drives a lot of the backlash here. Where, uh, yeah, I think if a lot of these people had seen, you know, Russell Hands on Survivor or, uh, I mean, and even that is tame, right, compared to a lot of stuff, uh, then I don't know if it would be. Given who the audience is, maybe the backlash is more predictable. Yeah. Uh, anything else that you feel like we have been remiss not to bring up yet? I'm, I'm scanning through my memory and through the kind of limited notes that we have here. I feel like we've hit most of the major discussion points, though. Yeah, I think we touched on on the big stuff. Uh, a few like little fun moments from throughout the season. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, this, this is... This is the the big deal. This is what everyone's talking about. And it sounds like from what we're saying, even though we have our own questions and criticisms and so on, we're a lot more sympathetic to the show than uh, a lot of the, the critics out there. That said, I think this is a one and done kind of show for as much as we talk about uh, are these the Richard Hatches or whatever, like what what kind of metagame comes up with the show going forward? I think it makes sense, maybe given how much controversy there is. Not to give into it necessarily, but to just treat this as this this kind of cultural moment, to, to put it in grandiose terms, where it's like, yeah, we did this show, uh, there was so much backlash to it, let's leave that as part of the uh, the history of this, uh, this standout moment, as opposed to the show which didn't know when to quit, and we brought it back for season two, not many people watched, we brought it back for season three, but by then it was already on its last legs, and, and it just kind of tailed off into obscurity. I think keeping it as this this one season uh, story, if you like, uh, is, is the best fate for it. I completely agree. I had uh, a very similar thought, uh, where I know I said, and I stand by, the idea of I would be quite interested to find out if there were a season two what kind of changes would be made, not only by the producers, but uh, even beyond that, by how the players who were cast ended up uh, approaching the game as well. But I also think that this is a show that can easily kind of stand on its own and perhaps fittingly be kind of off on its own little island in Alaska in the great global ecosystem of netflix and let's be honest tom this is netflix even if they did a season two it would just get canceled immediately after that uh no matter (laughs) the ratings or critical acclaim so let me ask you a question to kind of wrap things up here that was asked to me by one of my great friends for a very very long time who not only told me in the first place to watch this show but also was the one who introduced me to alone big time shout out to nick uh he said on a scale of 1 to 100, with Alone being a 100, what score would you give Season 1 of Outlast? And I responded by saying, first of all, Alone is not a 100. The Genius is a 100. But on a scale of 1 to 100, I did enjoy what I saw on the show and got out of the show. And again, think it would be a very fine standalone product that to the right kind of person, I could easily see myself recommending in the grand scheme of reality TV. I think I'm right around this being like 30, 35, somewhere around there. Are, are you oh, wow. starkly different okay. from that? No, that is, that feels very low. That, that's like a daring indictment of the, of the show. I mean, you should see some of the scores I'm giving certain Big Brother seasons. <laughs> okay, okay. Fair enough. I mean, is this one of those things where it's not a normal distribution and Correct. most shows are in like the 30 to 40 range? And then, yeah, that is a very you know. savvy deduction. Yeah, I would say like The Genius is a 100. Great <laughs> seasons of Survivor are like 
in the high 80s, average season of Survivor, probably like a 60. I would so but 30 is 30 is probably too low. I, I you know what, Dom? In honor of Douglas Adams, I'm going to give this a 42 out of 100. Uh, where are you landing on season one of Outlast? Where would this current season of Survivor uh, rank on the scale at this point? Very much TB. So we certainly do not need to get sidetracked by this right now. The cast is incredible. Truly one of my favorite casts like in the history of the show. The game itself currently leaving quite a bit uh, to, to be desired to say the least. I think it has outs to improve significantly, especially if the hype from both the cast online and the producers behind the scenes is even remotely warranted. Like I am at least convincing myself to remain optimistic to some extent about the current season of survivor. But I, I, I think that is getting the eye for incomplete uh, at this point, but give me a number, Dom, where, where is season one of outlast for you? Uh, I, I, I liked it. It feels... Can, can I dodge the question? Can I... Uh, you're uh, trying, and I'm trying subvert... not to let you, but I'll be very impressed if you still manage to do it. <laughs> trying to subvert the entire scale here. I don't know. It feels weird to be like, well, yeah, I mean, I thought it was a, a 51, but if, if they'd been slightly less uh, sociopathic, then it would have gone all the way up to a 57. Like, I, I don't know if that stands down what we're actually talking about. I mean, I'll, I'll, put it, I'll put it this way. When I initially said, like, 30, 35, 40, you seemed shocked at that being such a low number. So it seems like your number is more like in the 50s, 60s, 70s. Hey, don't, don't quote my own revealed preferences back <laughs> at me. How dare you? Um, I, yeah, I, I guess it's somewhere in, like, the 60s range. Uh, somewhere in the 68 to 70 range. <laughs> it's a pretty nice season. What can I say? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I, I, maybe I would uh, bring it down. I mean, the fact that the ending really just deflated it so much with the the final challenge, if you like, uh, I, I think does dock it a lot of points for me. Uh, I think given its genre, given what it's trying to be and given what it turned out to be, whether it's intentionally or as this uh, happy or unhappy accident, I thought it was good. I, I give it a, a pass on my binary uh, pass-fail uh, grading system. Okay, question well dodged. And yeah, and to reiterate, my scale of 1 to 100 is deeply asymmetrical with very few shows ever cracking like above 50 or above 60 ish probably rather uh certainly not a standard bell curve distribution here and many 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 seasons in the teens to low 20s or whatever but yeah dumb uh there we go outlast season one really happy we got to come in here and talk about this this is a great time yeah, this was a lot of fun. Uh, if there happens to be any other TV worth talking about, maybe we'll be uh, in here again before too long. We'll see, yes. Uh, until then, however, you can follow Dom on Twitter, at DomHRV. I am on Twitter, at Colin Stone. We are currently uh, kind of playing it by ear on Survivor 44, but at least over on the patron feed have been enjoying a Survivor Cambodia rewatch and re-podcast over at Patreon.com slash dom and colin and i'm sure we'll find something uh engaging to talk about on the main feed here soon enough so until then thank you guys for sticking with us this long we will talk to you guys soon take care everybody